Hi, welcome to Great People TV. Ben, it's great to see you. Fantastic to see you, Sylvia. I've missed you and it's good to see you again. Can't say much more than yeah. that. <laughs> we're we're going to have a great show, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, when you think of ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit uh, Hyperactive Disorder, do you automatically think of hyperactive little boys? And how does ADHD relate to the world of work? Today, we're joined by a world expert on ADHD who speaks on its superpowers. Peter Shankman is a best-selling author of two books on ADHD. Uh, the second book is called Faster Than Normal. He's an entrepreneur, a charismatic corporate speaker who speaks globally on neurodiversity, and he's published a children's book recently on the topic. The New York Times has also called Peter Shankman a rock star who knows everything about social media and then some. Hi, Peter. Welcome to our show. Hi, thank you. Nabila. So, Peter, can you tell us uh, how did you know you had ADHD and could you describe, uh, um, give us a, a short version of, of what ADHD is? So ADHD is simply the body's inability to produce enough dopamine to allow you to focus um, when necessary. Um, you know, if you love uh, social studies or if you love science, your body's going to produce enough chemicals to allow you to focus and do what you need to do uh, when you're in school. If you don't love a subject, it's not going to. And so uh, normal brains create that dopamine, create that serotonin, create that adrenaline. Um, when you're ADHD, your body doesn't create enough of it, so you have to figure out other ways to get it. Um, unfortunately... Up until about 10 years ago, we really didn't know that. And so um, growing up in the 70s and 80s in New York City public school system, it wasn't so much ADHD as it was sit down, you're disrupting the class disease. And so it was tough. Uh, growing up as a kid uh, with undiagnosed ADHD was very, very tough. I got into trouble a lot. Mm. Um, but over time, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 35. And so over time, I realized that the things I was doing on a regular basis were actually helping me and actually keeping me uh, uh, focused. And, and I was doing things that, that were making money and I was doing things that were helping people. And I realized that a lot of what I was doing was um, because of my ADHD, I was, I was creating ways to work and creating a life that allowed me to utilize my ADHD to my advantage. And um, once I finally got diagnosed, everything made a lot more sense. Like, okay, now I have a name for it. Now everything you know, seems to make sense. And, and from there, I created a, a, you know, I've written several books um, on both marketing as well as ADHD. Um, I started and sold a company called Help Reporter Out. That was back in 2010 that I sold it. Um, and then uh, about five years ago, I wrote a book called Faster Than Normal, which focuses on the benefits of ADHD. ADHD is a gift, not a curse, allowing you to use um, sort of that faster brain to to do better, to, to work faster, to work uh, more productively. And then uh, last week, I launched a children's book um, called The Boy with the Faster Brain, which uh, my goal is to show kids that they're not broken. And they actually can uh, can do amazing things. Yeah, congratulations! And uh, tell us about your your children's book a little bit later. What what's the turning point that led you to get that diagnosis? Um, I mean, I knew. You know, you, you you break your leg, you see a bone sticking out of your leg, you're like, huh, I think I have a broken leg. I should probably <laughs> take care of that. It was it was sort of the same thing with ADHD. I knew I was off the charts. I knew you know there was a reason that I could start and sell companies, but couldn't have a relationship. You know, I could I could um, I could I could. Uh, you know, go and, and go on TV and speak in front of 40,000 people, but couldn't remember to take the garbage out, you know? So after, after doing some research, I might as well get diagnosed. I was seeing a therapist anyway. He took one look at me. He goes, yeah, that goes, that's pretty much a given. And, um, you know, they, there's a test you can take, you answer a hundred questions. I think if 
if you get like more than 28 of them right you know, or 28 of them down you might have adhd i had like i got like 96 correct or something. <laughs> you know it's pretty much a pretty much just a you know pretty much knew the answer there and so yeah i just i started uh figuring out okay what can i do with this and you know it's not gonna go away how can i use it to my advantage i don't really want to take meds so so what can i do and 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 here we are wow and so what are some of the superpowers then can you describe that yeah i mean i i have a best-selling book called uh well like i said faster than normal and i wrote faster than normal um faster than normal on a flight (laughs) faster than normal right i wrote it i wrote it on a flight to asia and back i booked a flight um Wrote chapters one through five in the flight out. I uh, went to the lounge in Tokyo International Airport, had a uh, had a, a coffee, took a shower, got back on the same plane, same seat three hours later and wrote chapter six through 10 on the flight back to New York. Um, <laughs> oh. So yeah, best-selling book in 32 hours. And um, you know, it works. It, it, not a lot of people can do that, but, and, and most people think I'm crazy. You know, you spent, you spent $5,000 to go nowhere. I said, no, I spent $5,000 to write a best-selling book. So, you know, it, it's, it's about understanding, uh, it's about two things, but understanding how your brain works, but also about understanding that it's you've got to stop giving a damn about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what people people think, oh, my God, that's so weird. Why would you do that? Who cares what you think? Mm-hmm. You know, I, if this person is not paying my mortgage and this person isn't my daughter, then I don't really care what they think. <laughs> um, and once you, once you sort of make peace with that, once you make peace with that, life is a lot easier. I do things that are very different. I'm up at uh, at, at, at usually around four, three forty-five, four 4 a.m. every morning to get on the bike, to get on my Peloton to exercise. Because if I don't exercise, um, I'm not going to have a good as day. That's where I get my dopamine. And so, like, oh my God, 4 a.m., what are you, a farmer? I'm like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to keep doing the great. <laughs> I wrote a great, there's a great uh, Instagram meme or Instagram or reel that I wrote, a little TikTok video. It's, um, it shows me on the bike and, and it says, uh, you know, the caption is, 4 a.m. to exercise. Why don't you work out later? And and it's me on the bike going, you know, or when you hear me out, you shut the fuck up and I keep doing exactly what I'm doing, <laughs> you know. And there's there's it's the hyper focus too, right, Peter? Yeah, I love that meme. There's the, yeah, the hyper focus, the thinking outside the box. It's, it's exactly that. I mean, for me, it's, it's coming up with crazy ideas. I mean, I back when I ran a PR firm in 2000, we were trying to figure out ways to promote our firm. And I said, you know, what we should do. We should all go skydiving. Everyone laughed. And I organized a trip to take 150 CEOs and journalists skydiving, and we got, you know, in the cover of a magazine for it. So, you know, it's the, I have an assistant for 15 years, and she's the same assistant. Her name is Megan. And whenever, whenever I have an idea, um, <laughs> I go, I have an idea. Most people go, oh, what is it? I go, I have an idea. And Megan goes, oh, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> so that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah. I love I love the tagline on your email. It says, d- "Doesn't it say something like Megan is the calming force?" Megan is my calming influence. Yeah, that's <laughs> your actual title. Your actual title is my calming influence. I love it. Nice, but uh, Peter, I mean, what about? I mean, when you went through ADHD, it was a different time. There was no social media. There was none right. of the medical tools that are around today. These fancy medical terms and the academic jargon that goes with it. But I mean, keeping it simpler, like, you know, with, with little children, you know, it's all about keeping it simple. So how should parents, mm-hmm. because parents are the, are the ones who panic usually. You know, yeah. Oh my God, my what they need to understand, idiot. what parents need to understand they, is that. How should they process that? Yeah. I mean, what parents need to understand is that they're, they're, their kids are not broken. 
if they know basically if you give a kid if if, if you learn to drive a, a honda let's say a honda accord you know it's a nice safe car right it'll take you from point a to point b but you might have to floor it to get it up to highway speed after a while right if someone if you know how to drive that honda then all of a sudden someone gives you a lamborghini and says here drive this and you floor it to get up to highway speed and you get 400 miles an hour and you crash into a tree right so Having an ADHD brain is like having had a Honda and all of a sudden be given a Lamborghini. You have to learn how to drive it. Once you learn how to drive it and learn how to drive that faster brain, that's when you can change the world. So one of the things that I need um, parents to understand is that you really can change the world. Um, simply, the kids can change the world. Let them be themselves, right? They and, and let them learn to do things that are new that, you know, for me, like, I wish I had exercised every day before school. It would have totally helped um, just because I see the difference now. But I didn't know that. I didn't know how to do that. Um, you know, right now, we're all in a rush. We're all rushing out the door. So instead of giving, uh, you know, our kids two bowls of chocolate, chocolate frosted sugar bombs and then <laughs> driving them to school, maybe we give them protein like eggs and, and, and you know, uh, exactly. some fruit or something like that and yeah. then walk to school or whatever the case may be. So yeah. there are ways to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a, a school district, school district in Texas that, um, uh, as an experiment, they 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 switched the lunches they were giving, the breakfast and lunches they were giving to about sixty percent protein as opposed to sixty percent carbs, and they incre increased recess from fifteen minutes to ninety minutes a day, and ADHD outbursts in boys went down thirty one percent, and girls um, speaking out and getting involved in class went up 26% because girls present uh, ADHD differently than boys. Girls yeah. present uh, in terms of drinking into themselves. And, and so out, it was right? pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Mm. Nutrition is key, especially if you're not going to go on medication. So is sleep management. Um, ben, I mean, a lot of journalists are supposedly ADHD. I mean, are you examining yourself? I mean, I, I really... I, I mean, I suspect I, I have ADHD on some level and I am afraid of boring conversations. And and maybe that's the hyper-focus element. Um, tell us that, some of the drawbacks, some of the challenges, and how do you manage that, Peter? Well, I have, you know, so I have very interesting rules in my life. Um, like I said, I wake up super early and I exercise. I go to my closet and my closet has two sides to it and they're actually labeled. And the side the sides say office slash travel which is t-shirt and jeans <laughs> or speaking slash TV or speaking slash TV, which is button down shirt, jacket and jeans. And that's it. Yep, yep. Uh, my suits, my vests, my sweaters, those are all in my daughter's closet in her room. Because if I had to look every morning, what should I wear? Oh my God, that sweater. I remember that sweater. Lara gave me that sweater. I wonder how she's doing. I should look her up. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook. I haven't <laughs> left the house. So, <laughs> so it is much easier. It's, much easier to um, uh, sort of, you know, do the things that I know work for me. Eliminating choice prevents things like that, prevents me from, um, you know, going off track, um, getting eight hours of sleep a night. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but getting eight hours of sleep a night is probably one of the best things in the world you can do for yourself. Getting tested yes. for sleep apnea. Yeah. Turns out I have massive sleep apnea. Yeah. Even when I was sleeping eight hours a night, waking up probably like 70 or 80 times an hour. So now uh, I have a CPAP mask and I sleep right through the night. I sleep great. I wake up. I'm wide awake. Um, you know, it's things like that that you want to make sure that you're doing uh, what you eat. Right. If I'm eating healthy, if I'm eating protein and very few carbs and, and you know, 
healthy food. Um, I feel a ton better if I'm gorging on pizza and grilled cheese, whatever. I feel like shit. And so it's, you know, again, that's a dopamine thing. Oh, I'm in a bad mood. Let me have some bad food. Well, that might make you feel good about 15 minutes, but it won't last. Right. So so really, it's it's knowing these things and knowing what works. For you. And avoiding sugar. Is that something you do personally? You know, I, I avoid sugar as much as possible. I avoid alcohol as much as possible. I'm not perfect. I have occasional drink. I have I have the occasional. My daughter loves Pinkberry. Right. I'm not going to go and get her Pinkberry and not order some. So, you know, you, you, you figure out how to make it work. But I tried. For instance, instead of ordering in a pizza, we go out and get pizza. We go out and have a slice at the restaurant because if we order in a pizza, she's going to have two slices. I'm going to have seven. So that's not good. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you make it, you make it in such a way that it works for you. Okay. Tell us more about the neurodiverse economy and what kind of advice would you give companies in Asia uh, that are lagging behind uh, the West when it comes to uh, taking advantage of the powers of um, neurodiverse people? Well, the key is, is that the we're looking at a world where one out of every eight people has some level of neurodiversity. That's a billion people. Whoa. Okay. Chances are, chances are that you've hired some of them. Chances are they work for you. Chances are you are selling to them. How do you create a world that is more open for them? How do you create a work environment that uh, people who are neurodiverse want to be a part of? Right. You have to understand that one of every eight people is a lot of people. And so, you know, I've been in business. I've spoken to companies where they ask what they can do. It's like, well, first of all, just be open to different ways of working. You're going to have um, you're going to have some employees who really, really like to work on their own. And I mean, I know that that if I have to work and spend time in an office, I am much better if I can do that at, say, 5 a.m. Right. I'll get into the office. I'll work from five to three or whatever, um, at, you know, or, or, or five to noon or whatever, as opposed to like nine to five, because, you know, surrounded by people making noise and looking, oh, that that is something shiny. You know, it, it's much better for me yeah. to be on my own and sort of zoning in because I have these zones of focus where if I sit down and focus for, you know, I could I could work for four or five straight hours doing nothing else yeah but if i'm distracted like, hey peter can i ask you this can i ask you well now i'm not working and my ex-wife is, is famous for this she my ex-wife would call me all the time she's like hey i have a question like, okay i'm in a meeting right now but can i call you back yeah i just want to ask you one thing okay this is not me calling you right back right this is this is you continuing to ask the question and then she pulls me out of that zone of focus and it takes a long time to get back in so it's it's the question of um understanding the best way that your employees work and letting them work that way um you know i i have advised companies to allow their employees, if they want to, instead of going, you know, if they have a huge meeting, let them go for a run or let them do something, let them do some exercise beforehand. I won't go into a meeting unless I walk to the office um, or if I'm in the office and I, I haven't walked, I, I will walk up steps, I'll walk up the stairs instead of taking the lift. Because for me, um, that even something simple as, as three or four flights of steps is enough to get that dopamine right. Nice, nice. I, I do have I, I mean I don't have too many more questions because you, you explained it so well Peter but let's let, let's just take it uh sort of I mean Sylvia's asked about the the higher end I'm just gonna go down a, a notch a few notches because I'm a dad I'm a dad of two and you know my young children are young and they are going through things like how to counter bullying how to counter name calling and all the challenges of high school high school is a tough place no question know, about it yeah re regardless of which country you're in I mean in Asia it's tough it's America it's tough. 
But when you have, what, what do you advise young children, boys and girls? Because parents are always telling their kids, you know, oh, here's someone, uh, you know, name calls you, verbally bullies you, just ignore them and walk away. Yeah. And in this day and age, that's the hardest thing to do. So, and I, I mean, I tell my children, I, 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 I don't care. I say, look, I send you to take one door classes for a reason, self-defense. If they come swinging, you know, block them and, and swing back if you have to. So what was this? So what do you tell, you know, like, like the children who are going through that ADHD process? Because let's be honest, you know, those pricks at school, when they pick on people, like, you know, like little kids, cause they want to feel better about themselves and, yep. above, and usually in all the Hollywood movies is the high school jock. Okay. Right. So why, what, like, how does that smart superpower child, what do you tell them to use that superpower to overcome that not so nice quarterback jock? So I have a nine year old daughter and uh, she's come home and she's, you know, the kids make fun of her. They exclude her from things. And I said, look, I said, at the end of the day, I said, what'd you, so when they excluded you, what'd you do? She said, oh, I went over to the corner and I drew in my sketch pad. I'm like, did you enjoy it? Show me what you drew. She's like, yeah, I did. I'm like, then where's the problem? Right. If you don't want to hang out with them, and they don't want to hang out with you. That's a win-win, right? You're you're basically them not wanting to hang out with you means that you don't have to put up with their bullshit. Now that being said, um, I will say that my uh, my 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 kid's teacher called me a few or met me after school a few weeks ago when I went to pick her up and said, Peter, just want to let you know, um, not a big deal, but your daughter uh, did curse at someone today. I said, what happened? I think well, he she used. Uh, a bad word. Um, I guess the kids were bothering her and she used a bad word. I go, I go, okay, I'll talk to her. I'm like, but between you and me, kids fucking deserved it, right? <laughs> and uh, the uh, teacher may have laughed. But anyway, the, the bigger picture <laughs> for me is that I understand, you know, I got bullied constantly growing up. Um, I was the weird kid. I, I had dyslexia growing up and I was better at typing than I was at writing. So my parents got me a, a portable mini computer. Right in the 80s, it had like 2K of RAM, not Megs, K of RAM. And, um, but I took all my notes. And so kids would mock me and make fun of me until they realized that if they gave me a quarter, I'd print them off a page of my wonderfully typewritten notes and they wouldn't have to do any work. All of a sudden, everyone was my best friend. <laughs> right? So, one of the things I teach to is find a way out of the situation, make the situation work for you. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you're ADHD, you are inherently, if not smarter, you are faster mm -hmm. and you can make uh, lemonade from lemons in situations that other people couldn't even think about how to do. Mm -hmm. 100%. <clears throat> Excuse me. What about the impulse control? How do you advise on that, little kids? So one of the things that I never realized is that when I was speaking out in class and making jokes and doing all these things, and I talk about this in The Boy with the Faster Brain, you know, when Peter, the boy in the book, uh, he never understood why he always wanted to make a joke because he'd get in trouble. Well, it turns out when he made those jokes and the class laughed, he was getting a dopamine hit, oh. which was allowing him to focus. Nice. Ah, that's nice. Right? And so so what it is, that's the, that's the hyperactivity of ADHD. So what it is is about figuring out ways to get that dopamine without being uh, disruptive or destructive. So, you know, I tell my daughter and, and our teachers know this and everyone, you have, if, if you feel like you're focusing or losing, losing focus or losing concentration, go to the back of the room, just stand up. Sometimes as simple as standing up is enough to give you that hit or drop for 10 squats in the back of the room. <laughs> Whatever it is, do, no joke, 
I, when I'm writing my book on a plane, every hour, every 90 minutes, I go to the galley of the airplane. I drop for push-ups or squats. It's enough to give me the dopamine to go for the next hour and a half. I'm going to do that, Peter. Wow. That's brilliant. Same, same. I might get a six. Yeah. Might get a six pack. And, well, <laughs> did you know that a lot of parents get diagnosed when their children get diagnosed with ADHD? Yeah, it's very common. Parents are the fastest yeah. growing segment of diagnosis because they go and they see their kids like, wait, that looks like me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, Peter, you remind me of my husband as well. I mean, he could write a novel in like a few weeks, and uh, yeah, and he I, was also. I think Matt's got ADHD. Yeah, I, I, you know, he knows. He I, knows. I think so. Yeah, def definitely. He he knows, but. That's the thing, like some people feel empowered when they take on that identity. Whereas I know some people who keep quiet, like myself, you know, where I haven't. Yeah, really I mean, look, it's not, it. it's not easy to tell the world that you're different, but no one normal ever did anything exciting. <laughs> 100%. I love it. Right. Tell me, tell me the people who, 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 you know, I look at America and we have our problems, no doubt, but. Go back a few hundred years. The people that built this country who came over, you know, you, you, you don't have a normal brain. You wake up one day, you know what we should do? Hear me out here. We should take a boat, go over there, and start some new shit. Right? I know they're going to kill us probably, but we should go start some new shit. Normal people don't think like that. You know, that's so fascinating because my actually my husband is in a sector where pushing the boundaries works for him. Is he, he fights uh, human trafficking. Um, so, Peter, do you want to tell us about the the children's book and and what you're doing with the profits? Yeah. So, Boy with the Faster Brain um, is designed for kids who believe that uh, somehow they're different and they don't exactly know. And maybe they've been diagnosed, maybe they haven't. But it's basically the, the story of Peter who gets in a lot of trouble growing up uh, until he finally meets Dr. Lisa. And Dr. Lisa explains to him, hey, you're not messed up. You just think differently. So let's try to figure out a way to use your brain um, to do better things. And you know, I wish I'd had a Dr. Lisa in my life as a kid. And and the goal is to to really grow that. And I'm I'm instead of instead of um you know, what I want to do is instead of charging to speak, I'm I'm willing to take uh to go in and speak to any school or school system, uh, school district anywhere for free to talk about this, to get this story told because I think that the conversation around um uh, ADHD and neurodiversity as a whole needs to be expanded. Can you give us a few more um, examples for companies, for, for those who are watching? Um, how can their companies benefit? How can their bottom line benefit from uh, those who are neurodiverse? One of the things to understand is it's, it's very similar to, uh, to um, the concept of curb cuts. Uh, when World War II ended, um, Americans, a lot of Americans came home and they were disabled. And they were in wheelchairs and cities all around the all around the country created what's called curb cuts, which is where they put those, you know, little things at the end of the sidewalk for you to for the ramps, right? Little ramps in yep, the sidewalk. Yep. And what cities then realize is, oh my God, this isn't just helping the disabled veterans, it's helping pregnant women, it's helping moms with strollers, it's helping the elderly. It's, so it's these little things they did that that had a tremendous benefit on all segments of society. It's the same thing in a business. If you give your employees a quiet room. Right, perhaps a room with some pillows and couches and beanbags or whatever, where they can go in and the lights are turned down low and it's sensile uh, trajectory and they can just go in and talk. You know, it's things like that that benefit the entire company, right? Because there might be people who are not diagnosed, but oh my God, these people are driving me crazy. I just need 30 seconds to breathe. They can go into the quiet room, right? Something like that. Um, plus, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, success begets success. The more people who start to understand your company as neuro neuroatypical sensitive or neurodiverse uh, friendly, 
Um, the more they're going to tell their friends about it, the more better employees you're going to get. Because the fact of the matter is the majority of creativity comes from the neurodiverse. And are there any companies that you would uphold as model companies for ND? Google. Google. Google, without question. Um, I spoke at a Google event and they knew I was neurodiverse. I walked on stage. There are three fidget spinners in my chair waiting for me. Um, just things like that saying, hey, if you need these, feel free. If the lights are too bright, we could turn them down. Uh, if you want headphones when you're walking around the building, we can give you those. I mean, they were really went above and beyond. That's amazing. Ben, do you have a question? I have a final one, but go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I think Peter has covered it really, really well. And I'm really inspired by what he's told me because, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I'm concerned about my children every day in terms of the the BS that they have to put up with in life, you know, because it's so different to, I mean, I, I mean, I, I had my fair share of challenges like Peter did when I was growing up, so I could relate to everything that Peter said, and I wish I had a friend, not so much a, a psychiatrist or a doctor or whatever, just a friend telling me, hey, tell that guy to go fly kites, you know, you just do what you have to do. So, I mean, Peter has done that really, really well today, so thank you, Peter. I feel better for it, and I'm going to my pleasure. Present to those with my with my children, but so Sylvia, please Rick, finish it off. I mean, there's such a stigma in Asia uh, surrounding mental illness, and then also neurodiversity because people don't understand it, and they don't want their kids, you know, parents of those who are ND don't want their kids to go on medication, right? Because it's it's that whole taboo thing. Um, so no, thank you for what you're doing. I, I hope you come out to Asia, Peter. Uh, my last I'd love question. to definitely want to come back. Yeah, I hope Please so. Please do. Uh, my last question is out of all your projects, what are you most proud of? And then after, if you want to just add, you know, your message, just wrap it up with with a last your last word. But what are you most proud of, Peter? I think other than this book, other than the boy with the faster brain, which I'm really hoping changes lives, um, probably faster than normal. Because it was really the first time I opened up about ADHD. And, and even to this day, I get emails every single day from kids and from adults who just say, oh, my God, this, this book is me. I finally understand myself better. Thank you so much. So it's a great feeling. Wow. wow. And anything else you want to say about your journey, um, your last words on this show? <laughs> Life is meant to be fun. Um, you know, the, the, the best advice I ever got um, I'm a skydiver in my spare time. I have wow. about 500 skydives, skydives. And, um, I got advice once from a, um, from an old skydiver and you want to listen to old skydivers because if they're old and they're still skydiving. That means they they're smart enough to have stayed alive, uh, the entire time they've been skydiving. And, um, one of them said to me, um, I was complaining about how my, my friends who don't skydive never understood why I do. And my friends who do never understand why I want to go home. And I was explaining this concept and one of those guys ever said, you know, Peter, if you can't change the people around you, change the people around you. And that just <laughs> sort of blew my mind. And, and I've, I've always sort of, I think that was the start of my, under, my, my understanding, not giving a damn, right? Not caring what other people thought, right? I'm just gonna live my life. The only people I need to impress are my daughter, you know, and, and I'm good. I love that. It's like flipping off a switch, great. right? And so before, I'm curious, yep. before skydiving, were you doing other dangerous things? Um, yeah, but like not, um, not like legal dangerous things. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I grew up in, in, I grew up in New York City. We were exploring the subway tunnels in the 80s because they looked cool. 
Uh, I didn't realize that, A, well, I knew it was illegal, but I didn't realize that, like, how dangerous it was. I just thought it was fun, right, to go in and look at these tunnels. I get see that. Because for me, I'm like, wow, this was this was excavated in the 1870s. I wonder if there's still, like, a pickaxe in here from then. You know, I I never did anything. I never did anything because it was, because uh, it was, because it was, you know, I wasn't trying to cause trouble. I was just trying to, ooh, that looks exciting. Let's see where that yeah. goes. Oh, man. I mean, uh it makes me think when I was um, in elementary school, my friends and I used to run in front of um, cars, like to avoid them across a highway. <laughs> and then I've gone into brothels with with cameras and like I've done some really stupid things. And but now I kind of understand why. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, ben, what about you? Does this bring anything to mind? I'm sure you've done some wild things in your youth well yeah no i mean look i mean i, I was <laughs> boarding school and and you know we 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 are all like like what peter said what peter said in in not so many words when you're young and especially in a in an environment where that's so controlled and regulated and institutionalized we were all about breaking the rules someone says the teacher says you can't do something you, you want to find out if you can do something, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, like cigarettes or pornography or alcohol. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. But young kids in that kind of environment will find a way to do it, yeah. you yeah. know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, with the, the, there's some silly, silly things, but nothing like, uh, nothing that would... Uh, nothing life-endangering, right? Uh, yeah, right. You channeled it in sport. But nothing that would quote, and then, not, not, nothing that would... Uh, you know, great wars of you know between channels and countries, <laughs> right. and start 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 the next revolution. But you never know in this day and age, anything is possible. Look, uh, Sil, do you have any more things no, to add or to ask? Thank you, Peter, for your yeah. your time. It was illuminating to speak yeah. with you. Thank you so much for your um, transparency and and your advocacy globally. It's it's so needed in Europe, and um, hope to see you here. And Peter, just one last one last question. Do you yeah. have any uh, uh, marketing or website that people can find yeah. a bit more information yeah, you about can. you? My so I'm at Peter Shankman on all the socials, and my life is at Shankman.com. Shankman all right. Well, look, everyone. It's been a very very interesting uh, episode with Peter Shankman speaking frankly. I was trying not uh, yeah, frankly, truthfully, very direct, no BS. It is what it is. ADHD, it's a superpower. So, Sylvia, thank you so much for finding a great guest like Peter and bringing him to life at Great People TV. Peter, thank you for making this hilarious and inspirational. And the conversation doesn't stop here. If you ever do want to tell us a bit more about your future books, just send us a message. We'll have you back right here on Great People we TV. We do. So until until then, my friend, take care and stay safe. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah.